On this episode of the Highlander Podcast, we talk with Judd Armstrong, founder of Jaybird, pioneers in wireless headphone technology. We talk about the founding of the company, how he took it from idea to one of the top three headphone companies in the country, and sold it for close to $100 million, and how to make truly innovative products. Welcome back, everyone. This is Chase Anderson, and today I'm joined by a special guest, Judd Armstrong, the founder um, of Jaybird, um, based down in Salt Lake City. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, it's good to be with you, Chase. Thanks, mate. It's good to, good to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here. Um, you know, f- for those who might not know, and, and for you, th- the, this podcast is all about sports and outdoor recreation, especially here in Cache Valley and uh, and in the state of Utah. Um, and so we have guests across, uh, across the country even who come in and talk about outdoor recreation, but especially people who live in our community. We, we talk about the outdoor industry here um, and sports and activity. So it's, you know, who better than to have the founder of one of the top um, headphone companies um, here to, to come and talk about kind of your background and, and sports and activity. Yeah, mate, we have so much to cover too. So much really cool stuff to talk about. Um, looking forward to getting into it, man. Well, we'll just dive into it then. I'd love to know a little bit more about your background. You know, I've, I've read a little bit here and there, but kind of what's your background and how did you find yourself um, involved in making products? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, my first company that I ever started was uh, it was about medical record retrieval, and it was so random. I moved over here from uh, Australia, uh, chasing my wife. She's from here, and I was working at a store called Franklin Covey. Uh, back in the day, before we had phones, we had Palm Pilots, and before we had Palm Pilots, we had paper planners where we'd buy a refill every year, and you get a whole stack of, of paper. To and everyone was coming in during Christmas to buy their paper refills. There's this one guy who comes in and he's, he wanted us, wanted to buy a scanner that we sold. It was a single, it was called a paper port scanner, a single tube scanner, and you fed one page through at a time. And uh, he wanted like several of them. And so I told him, hey, look, we're out of stock. Give me a business card. I'll get them ordered in. I'll call you when they're in. And so a few days later, I had them for him and uh, called him up. I said, Scott, come get your, your scanners. And so he came down. He's like, um, mate, I like you. Come work for us. And I'm like, well, what do you do? I'm I'm just just getting paid ten bucks an hour here at retail. Tell me. <laughs> and uh, so they were getting medical record from medical records from hospitals and clinics and doctors' offices, sending them over on screen digitally to insurance companies. Now this is back in 1999. Like this is wow. when dial up yeah. was on. Yeah. Right, yeah. you know the whole yeah. AOL thing. Yeah. And and so I got to be a a guy in a little, I had a three-cylinder uh, Suzuki Swift, like Geometrica, and um, tiny little thing, ran on the smell of an oily rag. It was so good, like so fuel efficient. I was driving from Salt Lake to Ogden, and uh, I was scanning in medical records, and then I'd go home, plug into the dial-up, and upload these scanned images, right? And uh, I thought it was just crazy cool because I had a laptop, I had an email address for the first time, I had a printer that I could go around everywhere in this little scanner. And uh, I had all these ideas that they weren't interested in imp- implementing. And over maybe a couple of years, I decided, hey, I think I could do this a whole lot better. And I had no non-compete and they weren't taking any of my ideas. So I'm like, screw it, let's do it. <laughs> As um, Russell um, Branson says, that's his, that's his book. He's got a book called Screw It, Let's Do It. And I think that was a book that I was reading at the time and it just really inspired me. So I'm like, I'm going to go do a business. And so I decided to do my own version of it and had some really great innovative ideas that really 
um, really brought down the time it took to get a medical record from a hospital. On average, it was like two months and we were getting it in like uh, one week to two weeks. So there's a whole really great experience and learning curve of, of learning to tap into a certain level of inspiration to come up with big ideas that really changed an in industry. And that, that was exciting for me. But ultimately, it was kind of like owning a restaurant. <laughs> Everything was like always breaking. Someone was always upset. Uh, so, you know, everyone always tells you, follow your passion. But sometimes you've just got to do what's in front of you. Like you can't always do what your passion is. Maybe you're, a, you're into skateboarding. Maybe you're into um, skiing. Maybe, maybe you're into, I don't know, knitting. I don't know what your passion might be, but don't feel like you have to just go after that one thing that's yours. Like just go, what's, go with what's in front of you. Find something that you can be passionate about in what's in front of you. And you find that a whole world opens up to you because you then you get resources to, to progress your career or pr to progress your, your entrepreneurship or whatever it might be. So I realized that uh, service wasn't for me. I wanted to get into a product. Uh, so I learned to get into product by not doing product, mm. to come back to your question. Yeah, sometimes that's the most valuable thing, right, is finding out what you don't want to do. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, rule out what you don't want to do, and that, that makes it very clear what you do want to do. And I was actually a little naive. I, I was thinking, well, if I make a product, I won't have to deal with service. I won't have to really worry about it. But that was wrong. When you do a product, service is just really important, especially with nowadays with social media. Uh, you can definitely um, you know, burn yourself by not taking care of a customer. So I learned that very quickly that I'm still in the service industry having a product. Did you, even even, even if you didn't necessarily realize that your next company was, was going to be a product, or maybe Jaybird wasn't even on your radar at the time you were working, doing kind of this medical, in the medical field, did you always have an inkling or like a love of product? Was that something that was always in you or did you just kind of realize it like right, you know, kind of at the tail end of, of your first company? That's a pretty cool question. Um, I would say that I was never really thinking of being a, a product person that made consumer products at all. Uh, it really, when you take some time to um, take some inventory where you're at in your life and, and you decide what you want to do next, uh, it really, and you get real serious about that question, the, the answers come to the surface pretty quickly and and you start to really think about what it is that you're really excited about what you're excited about in life and what you're passionate about and i love the quote by denzel washington he said that that desire in your heart that itch that's in your heart that's god's promise sent to you beforehand telling you that that thing is already yours i love that quote because it just it really sings to me and and it, it feels like truth to me I, I honestly believe that every one of us have a calling in life, that there's big ideas in all of us. There's million dollar ideas in all of us. And a lot of the time we don't, we don't trust ourselves enough with those ideas to, to bring them out, but we all have them and we need to be able to trust ourselves and have the right self-talk, the positive self-talk to bring them out. That's, that's a great lesson. And with, with that, um, what, what are some of the lessons? And maybe that's one of those that you learned from your first company. What are some of the lessons that you learned from working in, in the medical industry and innovating that that you then took to starting Jaybird? So in, in medical records, so we, we led the paperless revolution there, which was really cool to be on the forefront, on the bleeding edge of shifting from a, an old librarian um, like records department with old dusty files 
and moving it into a digital world where medical records are now electronic and we're just right on the forefront of that and um going to get a record back in the day was so slow you had to get the patient to sign a release which you still need to do and then you have to mail that to the to the clinic maybe they got it maybe they didn't maybe they care maybe they don't right they want to treat the patient not deal with a medical record claim so eventually you may get a response back saying hey we've we've got counted the pages it's going to be 36 dollars and 50 cents to copy these records for you and then you've got to check the state statute is that the right amount? Are they charging too much? So then you've got to mail a check or you've or you got to dispute the amount. They might get the check. They might not get the check. Maybe they can, maybe they don't. And eventually you might get a photocopy back in the mail. And all this takes months. It, it is insane. So as I'm, and, and I realized I was kind of like in a red ocean situation. What that means is I wasn't really providing a massive shift in value. I was essentially being a paralegal for a law firm or a, or a claims adjuster for an insurance company where I'm just doing the work that they could have done themselves. I'm not really shifting the game. I'm just doing the work for them. And that was really frustrating. And when we're talking about product design, we really have to shift in levels of magnitude, multiples of magnitude. There's a book called Habit. Uh, I can't remember the author, but it's called Habit. It's a, a yellow book. And he said that in order to really shift behavior, because a lot of our behavioral decisions are, are subconscious. Uh, like we may always go to McDonald's versus Wendy's, or we may go to a, um, a certain um, clothing store over another clothing store, right? Uh, to, to shift that behavior into a different brand is a major, major thing because it's so on autopilot, we want it to be automatic. That's why um, Amazon Prime is so popular because it just automates everything. Uh, so you have to be m multiples better than the competition. And that's what I was struggling with. I couldn't come up with the answer. And I was, I was fighting and fighting and fighting within myself, just going through that whole beta brainwave state of, of the struggle of trying to come up with a, a solution for the problem. And one day I was just over it i'm like that's it i'm done i'm sick and tired of thinking about this and i had a meeting with the bank and the bank came in i was with uh, us bank and zion's bank was trying to switch me over to them and zion's bank told me about this positive pay system where you can approve or disapprove any check that hits your account on their website and it just like just like all of a sudden the aha moment just hit me like a ton of bricks like a lightning bolt i'm like what Hang on, we have to send out these checks to all these medical facilities all the time. Could I, can you tell me, like, just entertain me for a second. Can I send out blank checks to these facilities with my request right up front? And would you allow me to do that? And then just let me to approve or disapprove. Like on the check, I'd say, call this toll-free number and get an authorization code to use it. And then, because imagine that, like, we're actually having them call us instead of us having to follow up with them. They're stoked out. They're like, blows their mind. You just sent me a blank check. Are you out of your mind? And then we get to negotiate with them on the spot and we get to ask them, please fax it to us and we'll get it on screen digitally. We don't even have to scan it in when we get it back. So all of this is like expedited everything into days instead of weeks or months. Uh, and all of that came as just this little lightning bolt when I'd kind of rest, I'd worked hard on a major problem that was a major, major problem in my life. And it was like a non-negotiable situation. I had to fix this. And then I kind of stepped away from it just to take a break. 
And that's when the unconscious mind finally pays attention and it's like, oh, you're trying to fix the problem. Well, now that your mind's not busy anymore, man, now that your mind's not preoccupied, I'll give you the answer. Boom. Or things align, like people come into your life and give you the answer, right? So something that I learned from that was amazing in that um, when you, you have to have, you have to be in a really desperate situation. You have to have a clear problem. You have to have a clear uh, question to be answered. And you have to be struggling like through a, a lot of pain. And then all of those elements combined bring kind of like universal forces to your aid whether it's your unconscious mind or whether it's uh, God or um, the law of attraction, whatever you might want to call that. I call it God for sure. And also the certain, certain level of unconscious mind about it um, that comes to your aid and, and, and it's not conscious at all. It comes, it comes from somewhere else. And, and those, those epiphanies that you have are, are crucial to shifting the game. And that's what we're in. We're in the business of shifting the game. If we're not shifting the game, we're going to always struggle with employment. We're always going to struggle with uh, being in a company that is struggling to be successful because we're, we're never really um, elevating the human experience to a whole different pla- uh, level. And that's what we've got to be doing. Right. So with that, wh- what were all the elements that came together? You, you ended up selling this company, uh, kind of this medical, you know, what was the name of the company? Uh, Xerop Medical. Xerop Medical. Zero paper. Yeah. Oh, hey, that's good. Um, yeah. You end up selling that, and then what were the elements that came together that sparked Jaybird? You said there's kind of this, all these elements have to come together um, before you can you can like solve solve a problem, right? Uh-huh. Uh, what what were all the elements that came together for you that led to the to you starting this next company? Uh, Jaybird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm sitting at my desk and uh, I can see I've got this Logitech wireless keyboard and a Logitech wireless mouse on my on my desk. And I have a, a flat screen um, there as well. It's super tidy, super minimal. And I love minimalism. minimalism. And uh, so I, I get out on my, on my run and here I am running down Traverse Ridge Road in Draper, Utah. And... Uh, this silly iPod um, headphone cable is this white cable is just flapping back and forward while I'm running. This is 2005, so 15 years ago. Wireless headphones don't exist. And I'm like, that's insane. Like, hang on, I've got wireless on my desk. Why have I got wires out here when I'm running? This is, this is stupid. Like, this is upside down. And all of a sudden, I realized that the uh, headphone aisle in Best Buy in several years from now is all going to be wireless. I want to start that. And I want to be a big piece of that. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's this um, big, big moment for me. And, and then I, I realized that, hey, I don't know how to design a product. I, I'd never done it before. I don't know how to f- source a supplier. I don't know how to do the electrical engineering. I don't know how to sell, sell it. I don't know how to deal with the press. I don't know how to do, do the marketing. So you got to find people who can, who can take you to the next level. Sometimes you can't do it all by yourself. So you got to surround yourself with the right people. And um, I was able to find really talented people uh, and they weren't in Salt Lake City. None of these people were in Salt Lake City. I was living in Salt Lake at the time. Uh, One was in Australia, one was in Indiana, one was in California. And they were amazing. They worked on a contracted basis. uh, So they weren't employees. So, you know, I could use them as needed. And then even the engineering talent uh, at the factory level, they amortized their costs. So, so uh, instead of paying them $100,000 up front, they said, well, just 
$2 every unit you sell will, will get a royalty from you. So you can do some creative things, really creative things to help you get started where it doesn't take a lot of money. That all still seems so daunting. How did you get over this idea of, well, all these big players, you know, Apple, Bose, like they should be doing this at that time. What gave you, I guess, the audacity to say, well, there's all these problems, like these barriers mm. in front of me to getting in and doing this. Mm -hmm. It makes the most sense for all these big guys to do it before me. But what made you think, well, I could do this before them. Yeah. I can get it done. Yeah. Regardless of, of the challenges ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, like, the, the easiest thing for me was actually getting it done. The hardest thing for me was actually believing that I could do it. Uh, we, we just, you know, look, I had no money. And it turns out, I didn't know this at the time, but it turns out that 97% of consumer hardware companies that have investors fail. So to be a top three that actually succeeds without an investor actually is, is like near impossible. And then to actually thrive and become uh, a, a, like behind Beats and Bows, like we were the third top headphone premium headphone company in the States uh, near, near the time that we sold. We had half of the wireless headphones um, being sold in the States at the time. And, and then millions of customers who th just loved what we, what we had. It, we were a movement that really moved people. Uh, it was a really cool brand, um, aside from very innovative products that we, we had a new product about every year. We were growing almost double every year and, and uh, it's just really exciting stuff. And to, to have done all of that without investors is, is a near miracle. And yeah, how, how do you do it? Well, first of all, like when you get inspired by something, you become really unstoppable. You know, like when you look at your life and you look back at the times where you really got lit up by something, nothing was going to stop you. You know, you felt invincible and truly not only at the outset, but as you navigated your way through it, you, you didn't even need instruction. You didn't even need a how-to book. You didn't even need to be motivated. You were intrinsically driven from within and the answers came, things lined up for you. And that's what happens to me as well and and as you said like these other players should have been doing it um bose sennheiser skull candy they should have all been doing it and you know you know what I actually had lunch with uh rick alden he's the ceo of skull candy at the time he's the founder and uh we were having pizza pizza up at park city and uh, he said to me you know what the wild this is back in 2009 we've been we've been going about a year or so and he says look the wireless headphone market is like two percent of the market like nowadays, it's like flipped. It's like 98%, right? Right. But uh, yeah, 2% of the market. And it's really hard. It was really hard back then. Like you couldn't find a factory to do it. You had to teach them. Mm. And uh, he said, it's just ridiculous. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. We'll never do it. I'm like, good. Uh, um, yeah, I've got an agreement here that you can sign that says you'll never do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so like you got to do the hard thing, you know, uh, the, the thing that everyone leaves because it's too hard. And as humans, we tend to farm our success. And when you farm your success, that's when you get into trouble. Right. Yeah. So how did you, it, it's so interesting, even as you were talking, you were kind of looking into the future and you mm -hmm. saw wireless is going to be the thing. And we're living now in 2020 and everyone has AirPods, right? It's mm -hmm. like everyone's using wireless. Um, but even the way that you structured the company was innovative, I feel like at the time, I, you know, maybe Silicon Valley and, and other places around the country were doing this and working in remote teams. Mm. But you had a remote team uh, in 2006, where now remote teams are so commonplace. Mm. Um, how important was that for you to innovate 
really how the company was structured. And, and some of that I imagine was by necessity, like you needed to do that. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I guess this generation does it naturally. Uh, we understand that the talent is where a talent is. Uh, you, you don't want to convo- confine yourself to the talent that's in your suburb, for example. That's just silly. Uh, and you don't want to have to re- all relocate when you've got things like Skype and email. Um, it's just too easy. Like Skype was a thing for us back then. And you've got Zoom now, Zoom me- meetings, which is really great. So it was just came natural to us all. Uh, we have uh, we had engineers in Australia. We had software developers in Australia. We had uh, engineers in California. We had uh, suppliers in, in Asia, of course, wonderful suppliers out there. We had um, uh, great marketing and sales, warehouse, operations, accounting, uh, customer service. All those teams were in uh, Salt Lake City. Yeah. Oh, and also sales team was in, in Toronto. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. We so were spread out remote all teams. over the place. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. Um, how important was it for you for this company to be based in activity in in fitness and sport is that something that's always been important to you i know you're an athlete yourself um how important was it for you for your next company to be something involved in sports and and fitness and activity yeah yeah uh i wish i was an athlete (laughs) i actually wasn't gifted with with many athletic abilities but i do love sport i do love sport a lot um but uh yeah um Everyone called us a Bluetooth company at first because Bluetooth was the new thing. Um, And I would always say, no, 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 no way. Bluetooth is a tool that we're using and we're not a Bluetooth company. And so people would say, oh, you're a headphone company. I'd say, nope, we're not a headphone company either. We're creating an experience. And uh, I think that's that's where uh, Logitech has been struggling um, with the they bought Jaybird in 2016 and they've really struggled um, to grow the company. Uh, and I think that's because they see it as a headphone company. They, they don't see it the way that we used to see it. And the vision was that we were creating a, a sports and outdoor experience that was liberating and that enhanced that uh, activity that, that the person was doing. So no matter what, what product we might come out with, it was going to be surrounded, about that, surrounded around that uh, that activity that they were doing. So whether it was like riding a bike or running or going to the gym or outdoor, doing some crazy outdoor um, adventure, we just wanted to create experiences that made that experience of theirs amazing. And it started with wireless headphones. We actually had an incredible um, wristband product that was all about recovery called Rain. Uh, Never really got to market because we were just coming out with that as Logitech bought us. And we also had some product issues at the time. So they just canned it. But there was some brilliant IP in that product, and uh, that would have been amazing, and it's still got potential. Yeah. I'm sure you've got a lot of thoughts on as soon as you pigeonhole yourself as as one thing, mm. you're done, right? Like as soon as you say, we're just a headphone company, yeah. well, eventually headphones will innovate, or you know, who knows? Maybe there's something else beyond headphones, right? And, and then you're out of the game, right? As soon as you say, I'm just this one thing. So true. Like wireless headphones now are so commoditized. Jaybird. With the Jaybird Vista, they have the best wireless sports sports wireless headphones on the planet right now, as we, as we always have had. But the, these are the best that Jaybird's ever done. Mm. Uh, they're amazing, um, and uh, still, like, why aren't they number one? It's commoditized now, and uh, they had they had their chance to accelerate the growth we already had, 
but it's just kind of you know they've been they've been spiraling down a little bit what what was the kind of what was the i don't know give us an idea of the landscape in 2006 what you know who were the competitors at that time who was in the space i mean obviously apple with with um you know wired headphones and um just kind of what, what was the state of the industry and it seemed like wireless was just about to to come um but what was the state of things at that time yeah yeah uh, so we actually launched uh, uh, ours in 2007, and so did Motorola. So mm-hmm. Motorola and Jaybird were the first to it. Uh, Motorola had this really funky bar that ran; it was solid, it ran all the way around your head, and it squeezed in the sides of your head. Mm. It hurt me; <laughs> it hurt to wear them. And then uh, they uh, they had really really big issues with sweat. Um, they were failing with sweat. So we had people telling us that they were on their like sixth Motorola headphone because of sweat problems. But the Motorola, you know, they were good about it. They exchanged them. And we had originally designed the product for swimmers. Like that was one of the original concept is maybe we could use, use this for swimming. So we had gasket rubber seals screwed in tight. And so it was fully watertight. And so we figured, hey, let's do a lifetime warranty against sweat. And that was one of the big pillars that we grew this business on was giving that element of trust to people and, and confidence in, in who we were. We also teamed up with USA Triathlon and became their official headphones. And so those two things really helped a lot. Um, what happened then in 2011, Motorola being the big brand and the name that people knew was still you know, selling more than we were. We were just like still just the upstart. 2011 kicks around and we have the Freedom headphones, the, the third iteration of it. We get that into Best Buy. And this is our first product in Best Buy, 2011. And uh, they call us up one day and they said, uh, what are you doing? Because you're outselling everyone, like everyone else, like Motorola. By this time, we have some competitors, Motorola, Sony, Jabra, Plantronics. All these guys have wireless headphones at this point because we're like, what, f- five years in. And uh, they have big shelf space. Like they have you know, several feet by several feet with all of their products and then this Jaybird with this one little box and we're outselling everyone. Mm. And they called us in, we had a meeting and they're like, so what are you doing? I'm like, you tell me, this is all new to us. We have no idea what we're doing right or wrong. Like, what do you reckon? <laughs> this is really great. Uh, and I, I, I put it down to the fact that we really targeted and, and really built rapport with people who are, who are being active, sports, fitness, outdoors. And we communicated very clearly and effectively what we had. And the product was superior. It was the pedestal product. And it really put us on the map. Best Buy actually bought into us. They actually owned 5% of Jaybird. Mm. They were that thrilled and excited. And, and so they, they helped to continue to promote Jaybird through those years, which was wonderful, a really great blessing. Then we got into Apple stores, which was amazing. Amazon was another top customer of ours. So those, those were the top three. Um, and... Uh, by around about was it 2014 or 15 beats came out and got into the market and even though they came in and totally dominated we grew mm. we, we we doubled that year in business because i guess a rising tide floats all ships right but we we were still in my opinion a much better product and and people saw that uh we didn't have the big megaphone that they had to advertise so we had to go we had to be the best product by being the best product, our customers became our megaphone and they told all their friends at the gym or in their cycling club or wherever they might have been. And it was awesome to see. It was because we didn't have a lot of money to spend on marketing and, and they became that whole voice for us and it worked 
brilliantly. They were, and we, we attribute our success to our customers. Like our first followers were brilliant. In your role as, as founder or CEO throughout, throughout the, you know, the lifetime of the company, what was your day-to-day like? I'm sure the day-to-day at the beginning of the company was different to the end, right? But overall, like what was your day-to-day like and in, in your involvement with product at the beginning? Super hands-on. Yeah. I mean, you're the originator and the creator yeah. um, of a lot of this. Um, did that change over time? How involved were you in, in the product creation process over Oh, you over know, it's so funny. You, you look at times when, when you've been really focused on a project, like it might have been a school exam or it might have been some new job that you got or something like that and you're so focused on it you forget other elements of your life that's what it's like when you start a business i was so skinny fat it was insane like i was just eating so poorly getting really bad sleep i was on a plane out to asia um, back home to australia out to the us to do sales deals with say best buy or amazon or or apple or whatever it might have been meeting with uh, the team here in salt lake city and then meeting in california i was all over the place and my poor wife man she 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 was amazing through all this. Uh, and yeah, I was focused on product because uh, we're a product first company. And uh, I stayed on product all the way through. Uh, product was always number one for us. If, if, you, if you really focus on innovating um, and changing the game, you got to continue to change the game, right? You got to stay a couple of steps ahead of everyone. Um, and that's what we were doing. Like every time we came out with a new product, we were already getting feedback from day one and we were already had our own ideas as well on top of that, things that we wanted to do that we couldn't do before. We would list out all of the pain points that our customers had that we had with our products and how do we fix that. And every innovation that we had took months, right? But we were so far ahead in every iteration, like anytime we released a new product, the competition, like we would hear through the industry that everyone was trying to copy X product that we had out or something so we were already like one or two ahead which was we got that feedback which made us feel pretty pretty good that we were on track but you're always wondering and looking over your shoulder you're feeling feeling a little bit like a deer being hunted uh, with a target on your back because you're the little company that started started the the movement and uh, the big companies what a piece of it Um, but yeah you're in a lot of different things and it's exciting you know Um, you know if, if you're not living if you're not living curiously and, and, and looking, looking for adventure, then life's pretty boring and miserable, really. So I loved it. Did you, is that something that you had to teach yourself to do? You, or you've always been someone who's like looking one step ahead or always looking at the world in terms of problems to be solved? Like, is that something that you've always done? Is it something you've taught yourself to do? Is that even the way that you look at things? Um, I, think, I think when you solving problems is really critical right like that like um that's how you make world world class products is solving problems and and answering those problems very well and then also communicating to the world how you're solving them that's really critical there's a level that starts above that if you really want to be um start some kind of revolution of some kind or really disrupt or lift the world in some way the level comes from being excited about a whole new adventure and taking the world with you on that adventure and it's kind of like you know when i had that idea this this is you know the problem was the cable but the adventure was shifting the world and and being a part of that shift and and getting excited about a cause that was greater than myself and my own problem and my own work in it 
and uh, bringing people along for the ride. And that's the fun of it. And, and when you have that kind of excitement, that, that kind of energy, you, you know, you become a magnet for good talent. You become a magnet for opportunities uh, and uh, you have a lot of fun along the way. Uh, so that's, I think there's, there's, a, there's a certain essence that's more holistic than logical uh, to starting something really special. Right. Um, speaking of kind of being a magnet um, and building a, a team and attracting good things, like how did you, what did you look for in the people that you surrounded yourself with? Like was there a common thread um, through that core team that you put together at the beginning and then all those employees afterwards? What, was there a common theme? Mm. or a common trait that you saw in, in these people? Obviously, you probably wanted to enjoy being around them and they need to be extremely qualified and skilled in their own area, but is there anything else that tied them together? Yeah, I'd say think different. That's, that's something that Apple has said a lot over the years, but if, if you're thinking different, you're always going to look at things from a, from a different perspective and looking at things from new, perspective is, 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 new perspectives is the name of the game, right? So if you, if you have someone who... Um, likes to look at the status quo and use the status quo in their life, then they're, they're not going to be the innovator. They're, they're not going to be coming at it from a new angle. And everything, we were looking at everything from, an, from innovation, like even where do we have our, our warehouse? Do we outsource that or do we have it as part of our own operation? And if it's part of our own operation, how close in proximity is it to customer service or customer experience? Um, and so we actually decided to put it right next door. Like if mm. you could knock on the warehouse wall and, and you'd hear it in the customer experience team. And we wanted it that way because if, if someone didn't get a shipment, um, then those, those two teams could collaborate really quickly and easily. Like you could have the customer on hold while that, that specific agent had the authority to make decisions on their own and also go and talk to the warehouse and t- find out what was going on. Within two minutes, that customer either has a new pair of headphones on the way or they have the information they need to know where the headphones are. Like that's the power of innovation at all different levels, eh? Mm-hmm. And, and when, you, when you look at your whole operation from every perspective like that, it creates a whole new experience that the customer's not used to. And even though your product may not be perfect, like every single product that we launched had a problem every mm-hmm. single time. We had a problem every single time we launched a product. Like we essentially we were a failure on every launch. But by the way that we handled it, handled it just made people so excited. And that's, that's one of the joys of, of customer experiences. You, you turn a, a bad experience into a positive and you, you gain a, a fan for life. And that's why the movement crea- was created because we had that approach to everything. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, kind of speaking on a more personal note, um, you're here in the state, you live here in Utah. Um, why, why was that important for the company? And, and while the company was here, you weren't necessarily always here, but um, it's always had a, a Utah presence. Why was that important? And um, what are some of the outdoor activities that, that you love here in the state? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, my first outdoor activity that I love is, is uh, surfing. <laughs> Don't have a lot of that here. But snowboarding is a really close close match. Yeah. I love snowboarding. Um, um, Powder Mountain's you know, real close to here. and. Yeah. A massive amount of terrain. Not a lot of people compared to the the Salt Lake resorts, mm-hmm. and uh, you got the snow cat on top of that when when that, that's all tracked out. So it's a marvelous spot. I love that. 
Um, but yeah, we, we've always, um, we got married here in Utah. My wife and I, we had our, our kids here in Utah. And so the first company was based here. Jaybird was based here because we were still living here at the time. Then we moved back to Australia uh, and uh, did the whole re- remote thing, which I don't know if it was a good idea <laughs> or not. That was a lot of tough, tough hours. Um, but uh, look, we, we love the beach as well. But uh, yeah, we, we're spending some time over here in Utah at the moment, enjoying that a lot. Uh, it's good to be back into, into some snow and some uh, outdoor stuff here in Utah, which is great, great, great state. And uh, a lot of good employment opportunities here in Utah. Like the caliber of people here is, is really great. Uh, what I've traveled uh, most states of America for business of, of some kind. And I've found that Utah um, is probably one of the most prosperous places I've seen on the planet. And also I've seen that people get excited about a vision. People, people are hungry for people with courage like and strong leadership and and when you demonstrate that people rally behind you especially here in utah like they get excited by a vision and they want to contribute people want to contribute in some way and you know not everyone has the gifts to be the leader not everyone has the gifts to be you know the entrepreneur we all have different skill sets and we can all contribute to that same dream in our own way and that's what people here love to do. And that's what I found is it's just a marvelous place to do business. What, what's your experience been here in, in Cache Valley? And, and what do you think the opportunity is for this place when it comes to outdoor industry? Um, there's kind of the seeds of, of an outdoor industry here and a lot of opportunity. What, what do you see here from your time being here in the area? Yeah. Uh, so the growth of Salt Lake City is so profound now. Like it's, it's stretched out up into Ogden essentially it's all the way down into into past and beyond Provo now and where do you go from there well it has to be now Cache Valley like it you got Brigham City right but you know Cache Valley is a a very good target now for for people to expand you know that Salt Lake greater metro area which I think is going to be good because we were talking earlier about magnets um, and and where people like to go to for jobs I think as as um, as the reach of Salt Lake City continues to expand then I think Cache Valley becomes a more um, an area that's more in touch with with that metro feel, uh, but I think Cache Valley in itself, you know, anyone who lives here is going to say, "Don't bring it here." We just love it the way it is. Yeah. And the outdoor vibe here is off the hook. Like everyone here loves to get out in any season; they're always out doing something. So the outdoor insights that can come from that are massive, right? And and the fact that to to get inspired by an idea, you got to detach from stuff and you got to get some space you got to get some silence in your life get some stillness right um to get that inspiration and you can't always be just be busy all the time so i think this is a brilliant location for people to get in touch with all that and and really come up with some inspired ideas for the outdoor industry it's it's perfect and uh you got the the base of students here who can who can really innovate and come up with new ideas it's brilliant that's great uh there, there definitely is a bright future here um in the outdoor industry um kind of going back a little bit to the, to the company to kind of wrap up the conversation almost, but um, kind of the, you're, you're no longer working with Jaybird. You sold the company to oddly enough to, to Logitech, right? It kind <laughs> right. of came full circle. You, you saw Logitech and I imagine found a lot of inspiration. It, what was that like to, to then sell your company to the company that inspired this whole movement? They are such a, a great company like Bracken Darrell. He's the CEO. Um, amazing man um good strong um leader 
high integrity. He's a straight shooter. He means what he says, and he has great vision for what he does. He's, he's brilliant. Really, really great guy. Uh, so much talent, so many resources in that company. Uh, and they were really good to deal with in the, in the transaction, in the sale. Um, I'd, I'd sold a company before and uh, had, some, had some issues with uh, an earnout piece which is you know, if the company performs, you get this extra extra piece. And Logitech, we had the same issue. Um, we had the same issue, but, but Bracken was really gracious through the process and, and uh, we came to an agree- agreement where he actually helped us out a little bit with it, which was really cool. Um, the, uh, it, it's, a lot of people asked me, is it hard to sell your baby? And I honestly would just say, well, no, it was never a baby. It was always, hey, look, you know, you get into business to be financially free. Uh, that that's why I got into business, and and doing something that changes the world just makes it exciting, right? So there's an opportunity to be financially free. So take it. That's great, and it's exciting to continue to see the Jaybird legacy continue. It's a great company with the best products on the planet. Uh, great team behind it, really cool brand, really, really, really great stuff. So it, it's it's exciting to, to look back and see, you know, a whole decade of your life uh, dedicated to something like that and, and so, be so cool still. And, and it's all it's all out there. It's great. That, that's awesome. So you're kind of starting a new chapter, a new decade. Um, anything that you can share now? What are you what are you looking forward to now that you're not you know, day to day involved in a, in a company, mm. what are you looking forward to? Maybe there's things you can share, you know, don't want to share at the moment, mm. but what are you looking forward to moving forward? Yeah. Well, I, I always tell people, you know, most, most of us have a great big idea that's just sitting on the shelf collecting dust. You know, we're like, Oh, I'm going to do that one day and it's not getting done. Or a lot of people want to have an idea and they don't have an idea. And, there's, there's an, the answer to that is you've got to expand yourself. You've got to like create new experiences. You've got to um, excavate who you are and just discover who you are through creating new experiences and, and expect new experiences in the things that you do. So I, just, I went from medical records to um, you know, changing the, the headphone industry in, into wireless. So the next thing I did was something completely different. Again, I went and got a farm <laughs> in Australia and I expected to have some cool experience from that that would create something new for the world out of it. I didn't know what it was going to be. I had no idea. Uh, so if you're sitting there wondering, what can I do with my life? Uh, what Some great cool idea that I can come up with. Just just do some inventory and some um, just do a review of your life. Are you doing things that scare you? doing a farm was scary for me. Like I had never done that. It's like going from Bluetooth to green thumb, you know, high tech to low dirt. It was just so new to me and foreign. And I had no one that really knew how to do farming with me. Like the guy that's running my farm, he was a musician. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, But I think people who come at things with new, fresh perspectives and they're they're learning it, um, open up a can of worms that, that the experienced person isn't seeing, things that they're not seeing. But we've got... um, I, we've got a health bar brand coming out soon mm. this year. That's going to be called Plow. And uh, it's brilliant. Like it's, it's going to change and revolutionize the way that we, ha- we eat convenience foods and the food on the go for outdoor sport, for nutrition, for anyone who's trying to be fit and active. Mm. This is going to be brilliant. It's, I'm really excited about it. It's, it's, it's an idea that came from the farm and I, I got what I was hoping to get, this new experience and, and, uh, that came out of that. 
Um, but before that, um, so I've also been trading cryptocurrencies, uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Ripple, all those guys. And uh, for the last three years, I've been working, trying to find and discover the like the secret source to all this. Like, how do you make the kind of money that the big boys make? Where, you know, the market zigs and zags and undoes itself all the time. But those guys are like buying at the bottom, selling at the top, and also making money as the market goes down as well, because you can make money as it goes down. And as you stack all of those moves on top of each other, their performance is off the chart, like so, like multiples bigger than anyone else who just holds it. And I thought, well, how do I do this? How do I trade the way that they trade? So finally, and everyone's telling me, oh, look, you know, you never know what's going to happen next. You know? <laughs> Everyone just writes it off without putting in the effort. If, if you want to come up with a big idea, you've got to put in the effort. You've got to really create a, um, a big question in your heart and you've got to be very clear about the, what the question is. You've got to be passionate and excited about the question. And the universe has a way of, of setting a price for its goods. If you, if you want to um, create something really meaningful for the world and change people's lives, you're going to have to pay a big price to get there. And I've lost a lot of money trading <laughs> crypto, um, but also done very well. And this, this new model that we've come out with is brilliant. It's called unlisted.io. That's my new thing, unlisted.io. And go check it out. Um, historically, uh, the, the, this method of trading has grown money by 100 times over a few years. So if you had $10,000 a few years ago, it's now worth well over a million dollars. So that's my goal is to do 100x over into the future. We developed this in September of last year and it's been performing really well ever since. Wow, that's that's great. So you've got your hands full. Yeah. Between the farm, between starting a health bar company, trading, um, and I'm sure there's more as well that, that mm. you've got coming down the pipe. But how do people stay in touch with you and just keep up with these these new things that you're coming out with yeah it's the best way to stand super exciting there's always there's something new coming out it seems like every every few months so uh yeah juddarmstrong.com j-u-d-d armstrong.com and uh, you can also follow me follow me on instagram just at judd armstrong as well uh and uh there's lots lots happening and and just come check it all out that's great judd thanks for taking time this has been great it's been fun uh it's great to learn more about your story and and uh and just got to get a taste for what you're going to revolutionize next. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Chase. Hey, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. Subscribe and listen for more outdoor stories and content wherever podcasts are found. On HighlanderMag.com and each Sunday at 4 p.m. on Aggie Radio, 92.3 FM in Cache Valley.